Hello everyone. Hope you're all having a good day so far. Welcome to episode two of my second season. Today is Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. My name is Sanal Patel, and this is the Paint the Medical Picture podcast series. Now, I know last week's violence against our country, violence committed by our own people, has left many of us shaken and scarred. January 6th, 2021 will go down in the history textbooks as one of the most significant and terrible dates in our country's modern history. I know I'm looking forward to the healing and eventual repair of the tears in our country's magnificent tapestry in the years ahead. Now, did you need more information on how to capture proper documentation in 2021? Well, look no more. I get into it in this episode. This episode highlights the OIG work plan for December 2020. I also deliver my trusty tips on what proper documentation entails in 2021. And I share a profound note from Anne Frank. If you've checked me out on LinkedIn, you know I'm all about compliance and protecting our physicians and valued healthcare professionals when it comes to the business of medicine. I hope this week with me brings you enough to take back to your organizations, to want to dive in deeper, to use my tips and best practices to ensure success. I hope this podcast will help you boost the quality of documentation capture and improve coding accuracy as you help your providers paint the medical picture. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead and hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss an episode. Please write in a review and rating on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to my podcast. I'd really love your support. Now, a quick disclaimer. Before I get started on the episode, this podcast episode and Nexon Pruitt podcast series do not constitute legal advice, but I am fortunate to work with sound healthcare attorneys at Nexon Pruitt. And as their consultant, I have over 10 years of experience in front office, back end, coding and billing for multi-specialty physicians, compliance and auditing for both ENM and surgical operative reports. Again, the opinions and insights throughout are mine alone and they in no means constitute legal advice. So let's get into newsworthy. I wanted to go over the seven new December 2020 updates made to the OIG work plan. The first is titled Risk Assessment at a State Medicaid Agency. It is an audit from the Office of Audit Services. One goal of the management agenda is to maximize grant funding by applying a risk-based, data-driven framework that balances compliance requirements with demonstrating successful results to the American taxpayer. Enterprise risk management-based risk assessments can help organizations quickly understand and prioritize critical enterprise-wide risks and develop plans to maximize as well as mitigate and manage risk. The OIG will perform an enterprise risk management-based risk assessment at one state Medicaid agency to identify internal control weaknesses and process risks. The final report is expected in fiscal year 2022. The second update to the OIG work plan for December 2020 
is for follow-up review on Medicare claims for outpatient services provided during inpatient stays. It is also an audit from the Office of Audit Services. A prior OIG review identified that Medicare inappropriately paid acute care hospitals for outpatient services they provided to beneficiaries who were inpatients of other facilities, like long-term care hospitals, LTCHs, inpatient rehabilitation facilities, ERFs, inpatient psychiatric facilities, IPFs, and critical access hospitals, the cause. This review found that none of the $51.6 million analyzed from 129,792 claims to be exact should have been paid because the inpatient facilities were responsible for payments. In addition, the review found that beneficiaries were held responsible for unnecessary deductibles and coinsurances totaling $14.3 million paid to acute care hospitals for those outpatient services. Also, it was found that Medicare overpaid acute care hospitals because the common working file, CWF, edits that should have prevented or detected the overpayments were not working properly. Federal regulations state that the inpatient hospital services provided to Medicare beneficiaries are paid under Medicare Part A. These include inpatient stays at LTCHs, ERFs, and IPFs. Federal regulations also state that Medicare does not pay any provider other than the inpatient hospital for services provided to the beneficiary while the beneficiary is an inpatient of the hospital. The hospital must furnish all necessary covered services to the beneficiary either directly or under arrangements. This provision also applies to LTCHs, ERFs, and IPFs. This current audit is then a follow-up to determine whether CMS corrected the CWF edits and can now ensure us that the edits are indeed working properly. The final report is expected in fiscal year 2021. The third update to the OIG work plan for December 2020 is for strategies for the implementation of model practices in group homes, lessons from an administration for community living grant program. This analysis is stemming from the Office of Evaluation and Inspections. Group homes are private homes designed to provide housing, meals, housekeeping, personal care services, and other supports to individuals with a disability. These settings offer individuals with developmental disabilities greater opportunities to achieve positive outcomes in life. However, there may be a lack of infrastructure in place to provide sufficient oversight to detect abuse or neglect. OIG collaborated with the Administration for Community Living, the ACL, and the Office of Civil Rights to publish a joint report that developed model practices that would improve the health and safety of individuals who live in group homes. Additionally, ACL provides the Living Well grant for enhancing the quality, effectiveness, and monitoring of home and community-based services for individuals with developmental disabilities. OIG will evaluate grantees that have received a Living Well grant and that are implementing one or more of the suggested model practices developed in the joint report. Living Well grant recipients are not required 
to implement model practices suggested in the joint report. However, many of the grant's goals align with the suggested model practices. OIG will describe the extent to which model practices have been implemented, the strategies used to implement model practices, and the impact that implementing model practices has had on reducing risk factors for incidents of abuse and neglect of beneficiaries. This final report is expected in fiscal year 2022. Now, the fourth update to the OIG work plan for December 2020 is for comparison of TMSIS, prescription drug payment data, to actual pharmacy reimbursements for Medicaid managed care. This review is from the Office of Evaluation and Inspections as well. Effective oversight of growing prescription drug costs in Medicaid requires accurate and consistent data. Managed care organizations, MCOs, are responsible for the majority of Medicaid enrollment and prescription drug reimbursements. CMS established the Transformed Medicaid Statistical Information System, TMSIS, to provide CMS, states, and other stakeholders with accurate and reliable Medicaid claims and encounter data to safeguard the Medicaid program. However, states' managed care drug claims data reported in TMSIS may not uniformly represent drug payments across the Medicaid program. The data may in fact contain the amounts MCOs or their pharmacy benefit managers, the PBMs, paid to pharmacies or the amounts MCOs paid to their PBMs, which could include certain PBM fees known as spread. CMS and states have expressed concerns that the use of spread pricing by PBMs lacks transparency and may inflate Medicaid drug costs. This evaluation will identify how states report managed care drug payment data to TMSIS and determine the extent to which these data represent pharmacy reimbursements. Furthermore, OIG will identify how states ensure the accuracy of their TMSIS managed care drug claims data and use these data to oversee managed care prescription drug expenditures and the PBM spread pricing practices. The final report is expected in fiscal year 2022. Now, the fifth update to the OIG work plan for December 2020 is for supplier acquisition costs for urinary supplies. This analysis will be conducted by the Office of Evaluation and Inspections as well. OIG will compare current Medicare reimbursement rates to supplier acquisition costs for selected urinary supplies to determine whether Medicare may be paying too much for these items. Medicare Part B payments for urinary supplies, including intermittent urinary catheter tips, and intermittent urinary catheters with insertion supplies has increased from $125 million in 2010 to $298 million in 2019. CMS could reduce payment rates for urinary supplies through two methods. The first, CMS can adjust the fee schedule price, or second, it may introduce an item into the competitive bidding program, CBP. To facilitate CMS decision-making, OIG will provide them with cost information and additional context regarding the extent 
that urinary supplies are a good fit or potential introduction into the CBP. The final report is expected in 2022. The sixth update to the OIG work plan for December 2020 is for the audit of the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response Oversight of the Hospital Preparedness Program with respect to crisis standards of care. The Office of Audit Services is in charge here. The HHS Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response, ASPR, administers the Hospital Preparedness Program, HPP, which awards grants to state, territorial, and major metropolitan public health agencies to advance preparedness in healthcare systems for, emerging, for emergencies and disasters. Crisis standards of care are guidelines for how providers ration resources, such as ventilators, during mass casualty events, such as pandemics. State public health agencies receiving HPP funds must issue these guidelines and providers can choose to adopt them. An HHS awarding agency must administer federal awards in a manner that ensures that programs are implemented in full accordance with U.S. statutory and public policy requirements, including the prohibition of discrimination. Recipients of federal funds are required to comply with an award's terms and conditions as well as federal civil rights laws. The objective of this OIG audit is to conduct a grant performance review of ASPR's oversight of the HPP program with respect to awardees adopting crisis standards of care that comply with federal non-discrimination laws. The final report is expected in, in, in fiscal year 2022. And the seventh and final update to the OIG work plan for December 2020 is for race and ethnicity data for Medicare beneficiaries. This final report is coming from the Office of Evaluation and Inspections. Accurate, complete, and appropriately detailed race and ethnicity data for Medicare beneficiaries are critical to identifying and mitigating health disparities. As racial and ethnic disparities have emerged among those impacted by COVID-19, the availability and quality of data on race and ethnicity has garnered greater attention and scrutiny. This study will describe the extent to which Medicare's race and ethnicity data for beneficiaries are complete and accurate. OIG will compare these data to data from other sources. OIG will also determine the extent to which the Medicare beneficiary race and ethnicity data align with federal data standards. The final report is expected in fiscal year 2022. Now, in my opinion, I always have providers who need this critical information to review their coding and billing practices or overarching compliance programs. As you can see, three out of the seven of these work plan items for December 2020 will address reimbursement. Is the reimbursement, is, is the reimbursement accurate or is it not accurate? I think these reports with findings are always most interesting and informative, and I look forward to analyzing them in the years ahead. It's also important for my listeners to keep an eye on these monthly OIG work plan updates to see how they may impact you, your provider, or your health system. Remember, even in my second season, stay tuned for my monthly OIG work plan updates. They drop the second Wednesday of each 
month. And now it's time for my best practice tips in trusty tip. Let's dive into proactive compliance for provider documentation in 2021. Proper documentation is necessary for not only reimbursement purposes, but it's also necessary because it captures a clinically and medically necessary rationale for each and every visit, for each and every service or procedure. Proper documentation prevents patient care errors and allows continuum of care to proceed smoothly without hiccups and dangerous omissions and errors. Proper documentation supports favorable medical review decisions if a provider is involved in a post-payment audit. Unfortunately, the main errors identified by CMS continues to be for insufficient documentation or a lack of medical necessity or incorrect coding or absolutely no documentation at all. It's vital to avoid financial losses when claims are denied and then subsequently appealed with documentation that's insufficient and maybe even non-existent. A better, smarter approach is one that's proactive and starts by painting a clear, rich, and colorful medical picture the first time so your certified medical coder can then abstract codes with accuracy. And finally, in this week's inspiring quote in Spark is from the beloved victim of the Holocaust, Anne Frank. How wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world. Absolutely, right? I think this is a remarkable statement on greatness, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. Why on earth should we wait? We can start striving for greatness for the world at large by wanting greatness for ourselves. I'm happy Anne Frank spark still burns brightly in all of us today. So that wraps up today's episode. Please go out and make this a great day, an incredible week for yourselves. Aim a little higher, do a little more, and give back in any way you can in 2021. There's so much each one of us can do. Do note that as of the recording of this episode, Secretary Azar has officially renewed and extended the public health emergency status, the PHE, effective on January 21st, 2021, and for 90 days thereafter. As always, I appreciate you diving into today with me. And if you would like to inquire about my consultant services, you can always reach me through my email address at nexonpruitt.com. I'll leave links to everything in the show notes below. Please continue staying safe and healthy, practice safety for one and all during our collective life in the time of coronavirus. Thank you for listening in on today's episode, and I hope every week with me brings you closer to helping your providers paint a masterpiece. See you next Wednesday. If you want more information from me, go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn or send me an email at Sanal Patel at neximpruit.com for all my consulting services in medical coding, auditing, and compliance. Thank you.